Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 214. Today, we've got an esteemed guest, premium plug-in author, David Kiss. How's it going, everybody? Going great. I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Oh, hi there, folks. Looking forward to this interview. Excellent. And jumping right into it, I want to ask Dave, uh, how did you first get started in web development? Oh, man. I mean, I could go back to the days where I was building Kool-Aid fan sites in high school. Uh, so I, it was always kind of just a hobby for me. I actually have a video production background, and I liked making uh, like skate videos and stuff like that in high school, and I needed somewhere to put them, right? So uh, obviously the internet was a great place to get started there. And so, uh, and you know, I'm a broke high school kid and college kid. There's no way to pay somebody else to help me out with that. So something I just wanted to get figuring out on my own. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I just spent enough time on the computer to understand how this stuff, uh, works at a pretty early age. Um, and then I guess it wasn't until after college that I realized that you could actually get paid to do that. So, uh, it was just kind of this natural evolution of what started off as an interest and a hobby and kind of became a profession. Definitely. Um, you know, and how did you first get introduced to WordPress? That's a really good question. I don't have any sort of um, one way or one moment that clicked for me for with WordPress. Um, I think maybe the first client that I had that was using uh, a WordPress site was already established, and I just kind of got thrown into their project and their tech, and I was like, okay, what, well, what's this thing all about, and let's see you know, how to use it. Um, so a lot of times, and I kind of believe in that um, moving forward in that mantra is that um, – I just love, I love to learn and I love to pull things apart and figure out how they work. And so uh, if I'm thrown into a project and I really don't understand all the tech, I won't, I won't make the client believe I do. I'll let them know, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to figure this out and uh, do my best to make sure that the end result is something that you're pleased with. So a lot of times I'll just jump right into these projects and, and try to figure out how everything's working. And I think that was probably early on, maybe 2009 or something like that. And uh, I kind of came back around to it after a couple of years but that's probably where I was first introduced to it. Excellent. Did you set out to be a web developer? Because you have a degree in, in uh, film. Is that right? I do, yeah. I, was, uh, I went to school for video production and digital media. I loved everything media. I loved audio. and I, I played guitar back in the day. I made all, all my uh, recordings on my own. And I loved video production and music videos and commercials and short films and documentaries. And I was just like, Oh, I just love to see, basically, I just love to see things come to life. Um, and so I, I thought I was going to be the next, like, super music video director or Scorsese or something. And uh, after spending a couple of days on set in, in production, I realized, man, this is not for me. It was 16, 17-hour days where you're just carrying around a bunch of different equipment. And uh, it was it was exhausting. And, and I kind of realized while I was on the side making a little bit of money from just making web projects. So I was like, I actually kind of like that where nobody's bugging you and you can just kind of work and get focused in and uh, 
it was a lot easier to find those sorts of clients too at the time. So yeah, I, I wasn't planning on this route whatsoever, but the more that I was exposed to it, the more I kind of continued to dig and, and, and kind of fall, fell into it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that I saw, uh, you know, on your site when, when you're telling your story is you um, had a series of, of full-time jobs, but you just didn't seem to fit like anywhere. And it wasn't them. It was really you. And you kind of had that, you know, drive to be your own boss and be your entrepreneur. And uh, for our listeners at home, just, you know, what are some of the reasons that went into that? And what were some of those discoveries that, that you made when you were, you know, figuring out you weren't built to, to work for someone else, but really for yourself? Sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of that comes down to that I have a hard time uh, being told what to do. And mostly because, not, not because, uh, you know, I can't listen or, or get feedback or anything like that, which I think is incredibly important, but I just don't like being told like, okay, today you're going to do this, this, and this, and, and your job is not done until those three things that I've assigned to you are accomplished. And for me, I, I hear that kind of thing and I'm like, oh, that's not that's not why I got into this. Like I, I got into building websites specifically because I like to see my ideas, my creations come to life. And it was the same for video production and, and music. And, and when I was in a band and all that stuff where I just, I just like to build things and see them come to life. And so that was kind of this reoccurring theme. Obviously if you have a boss, you don't really have a choice in, in a lot of that matter. Um, but yeah, so I would have jobs where I was just working on things that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Um, and yeah, when I come up with all these excuses of, of maybe the commute is too far, or maybe there was a certain coworker that I didn't really get along with. Um, but really, ultimately, what it came down to was when I moved to Chicago for a couple of years, I had what I had thought was the perfect dream job. I was working with some really good friends. I was in a super cool uh, West Loop of Chicago studio. We had pinball machines in there. It was like the, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, I could ride my bike to work. And I was still, I was, I mean, I was really thrilled to have that opportunity, but I was still, there was still something kind of gnawing at me that was like, is this what you, how you want to be spending your time? Like, don't you have these bigger things that you want to do? And I always had these side projects that I wanted to spend more time on, uh, but I didn't want to be working my entire, you know, sunrise to sunset sort of thing. So um, yeah, it was eventually, I think at that point where I was like, okay, there's something else that's bigger that's going on here where, uh, you are in this perfect situation, but you're also have something that's telling you that maybe you need to switch things up. So yeah, there was just all these little signs here and there that maybe the full-time environment, it, the traditional full-time environment isn't necessarily for me. I used to call that unemployable, but also uh, that's probably not perfectly true. If I was completely unemployable, then I wouldn't even be able to employ myself. So, so there's some sort of mix that needs to work out for me. Um, and I think it, right now it's going all right. So. Yeah, definitely. So when you made the jump to being a full-time entrepreneur for, for yourself, how did that come about? Uh, was it a gradual process or was it all at once? Um, I had a couple of attempts at that, I guess. And I should say two attempts at it. Uh, one was a, a failed attempt that I learned a lot from where I went cold turkey and just quit my job to pursue an idea that I had. Uh, and that was a fun journey and a fun story that I, I learned a lot from. Uh, but the second time around, I thought maybe there was a better approach for me where I didn't feel like I was sacrificing a whole lot to make that transition. So the way that that worked was uh, the client that I was working for at the time had this need for a, a specific project on his site. 
And I always, the way I kind of talk about this is, is when I'm writing code, I don't like to uh, code into a corner. Or in other words, I don't like to pr provide solutions that are only going to apply for one specific company or client. I like to try to make it as broad as possible so that anybody else can take that same library or module or whatever and plug it into their own site and reuse a lot of that same functionality because we're all human, right? We, we have these similar needs and, and uh, businesses and all that. So, um, so that was a discussion that I had had with that particular client where I said, hey, we might be better off doing this as an open source plugin thing so that in the future, maybe there's other developers that could jump in and easily contribute to it or learn how all of this stuff works. It doesn't feel so hacked together for your specific needs, but it's polished and it has an admin and uh, there, there are ways to easily manage this kind of thing. And uh, when you describe it that way, they're all, all about it. I mean, which I think is a great business decision. And I'm a huge, huge believer in open source software. So uh, yeah, that was kind of how it started off. And then there was some premium functionality that I thought maybe this open source project, and specifically it was for video portfolios for Vimeo or video galleries for Vimeo. And there's a couple of uh, opportunities for premium functionality in that sort of setup. So I tried to just kind of slap a price tag on some premium features. And eventually I noticed that people would pay me $4 for it, which was awful pricing at the time. But uh, at the time it was su super cool to think that I made $4 and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trading it one-to-one -one for somebody. It was just on a website somewhere. Um, so I kind of paid a little bit more attention to that in my free time. And eventually it just kind of snowballed into something that overcame uh, what I was getting paid in my full-time job. And so at that point I was just, I think everything kind of came together and I was just ready to pursue it uh, on my own full-time. That one was uh, Vimeoography. Yeah, Vimeography, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So it, once you got a taste of, of building like a premium plugin and, and, you know, as you said, it started with just getting $4 for that plugin, were you then kind of looking for the, the next place where you could create uh, a solution that would not be for just one person but, but would be able to scale? And, and how did that evolve from there? Yeah, I, I kind of pursued that for a while and I tried, that was like the perfect opportunity for me to play around with pricing and, and play around with marketing and all of these things that were, that I've always watched other people do, but I never had the opportunity to actually implement for myself and play around with. So, and it was so low risk because I, if I made these changes and it didn't work, uh, all I had to do was either change it back, right? And, and I can kind of go back to square one where I was with this thing. Um, and I always had the opportunity to pick up on full-time work. And I think that's probably another thing that a lot of uh, folks that are thinking about maybe getting into their side project overlook or forego is if it doesn't work out, uh, you've cultivated your skill set and your talents uh, far enough where you can easily pick up more work in the future. So that was like a, kind of a no risk thing for me to always just be playing around and toying with these things and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. And I really just enjoyed that entire process. So along the way, I think I kind of picked up on things that I liked to, to do and, and that I was, I was good at after kind of crafting or honing that craft a bit uh, and figuring out where the market is. Um, but I think ultimately the one, the one thing that's missing from that project for me is where does this fall on the scale of importance to, to me personally and to kind of the, the world around me and the community that I'm involving myself in. So I think that's where I start thinking about bigger projects that can 
uh, continue to scale not only for a, a bigger market, but based on the fact that it has a greater impact on those around me. Excellent, excellent. So, um, you, you know, I, I've noticed that you you have a couple um, premium plugins that are uh, part of other people's ecosystems. Uh, for example, the Vimeo uploader in Ninja Forms, and uh, in the EDD world, you have the uh, Mailchimp. Um, add-on. So how did these partnerships uh, come about? Did you just reach out to these people or did they approach you? How did that evolve? Yeah, those, those were all, so I was kind of early on uh, in terms of doing third-party development for a lot of the other uh, big plugins that you're mentioning, but um, I think that's kind of where that happened. So I was, when I was selling this, this uh, Vimeography product, when I first started off selling it, I actually had written my own store and I always, I, I always joked that uh, it was probably, you know, the the other EDD that could have existed. And I, I'm personally, I'm glad that I didn't continue to pursue that. But I, you know, it was about maybe 12 months, six or 12 months in, in development when I found uh, Pippin's project for easy digital downloads right uh, alongside where I was building. And I was always frustrated because I didn't want to spend time building the store. I wanted to spend time on my idea. And once I saw that happen, I was like, oh, this is a natural switch to go into the EDD and this was 2012 or whatever. Uh, so this was uh, early on where the add-ons model was was still what at least Pippin was pursuing. I think Ninjaform is still doing that kind of stuff. But it's the same thing where I would just run into things along the way that I wanted to see in the store. And I realized that they didn't have um, the add-ons already built for that sort of thing. So I just opened up conversation with Pippin and with the folks at Ninjaform and said, hey, this is what I'm building for me. Um, I think it could apply to other people as well, which is kind of the approach that I take on most of the products that I work on. And is this something that is interesting to you? And a lot of that stuff was kind of just a natural fit. So back in the, back in yeah, 2012, a lot of that stuff just got adapted as third party plugins um, that we, again, just tried to uh, work with a commission model and, and slap a price tag on it and see what happens. So yeah, that, there was no like, um, real conversation behind it that was this whole structured thing it just kind of naturally fit as okay let's give this a try and it's it's had enough legs to continue to be effective here in 2017 so uh when it, perhaps uh, uh your most famous uh, plugin or, or your flagship plugin i should say is uh the the lunchbox where you have basically uh an, an lms plugin uh, but it's specifically geared toward hosting video content uh, in video courses. Now, how did this come about? Was this a longstanding idea that you had? or? or? Yeah, yeah, it, it has been. And uh, mostly because having the video production background and getting into all this code stuff, uh, this is how I learned, was, was just breaking Google, you know, just searching the same uh, – similar questions over and over again until I eventually understood, Oh, that's what this means. Or that's how this works and YouTube and, and watching video. And, and so it's kind of this uh, mishmash of having the video production background, having a passion for online education and uh, wanting to do something that had this greater impact on the people that I was surrounding myself with. And even those that I, you know, I, I didn't know or just met yesterday or whatever. Uh, so yeah, so this was something that has always kind of been in the back of my mind as I'd love to teach and share what I just learned. 
Um, and so I thought I would try my hand and my approach uh, on what an online learning interface might look like in WordPress specific to video production. So, or, or using video as the means of, of teaching. Uh, so yeah, so that, I actually started working on that in 2014 and I had a couple of uh, technical barriers that I ran into where I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I wanted to use or how I wanted to build it. And ultimately all that did was just slow things down. So at, at a certain point I just decided this is the approach I'm going to take. Let's move forward with this. Let's learn as much as possible. And the objective there is uh, I am kind of my first customer where I, the plan is to continue to use that platform to build my own video courses moving forward. So I'm working on one right now that helps teach uh, React, which is Facebook's JavaScript uh, library. And uh, that will help hopefully WordPress plugin developers to be able to understand how this shift into the new era of JavaScript is going to have a huge impact on development moving forward, specific to WordPress and, and the React changes and the Gutenberg project and all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to teach on my own and I wanted to also provide a solution that works for other people that are part of this course uh, ecosystem, I guess. So that's been something that's been moving for quite a while now. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that moving forward and continuing to support it and, and build on it. Excellent. Uh, we're going to go for a break and then when we come back, we're going to be talking more with premium plugin author Dave Kiss. See you in just a second. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from our break and we're talking more with premium plugin author uh, Dave Kiss. And Jonathan, did you have a question for Dave? No, it's just been fascinating. All the things. Do you ever sleep, actually? Do I sleep? You know, I, I do sleep. I, I advocate sleep. And I what happens ultimately is that I just like to share everything that I do. And so everything that I, I work on is I'm always talking about it and I'm always sharing it. And so it may, might sound like I'm just this, you know, super prolific thinker or whatever. But really, I'm just, I'm just trying. I love to try new things and I love to see where I could take them. Um, but yeah, I, I sleep, you know, I, I go to bed early and I wake up. Uh, no, I wouldn't say early, but you know, I get plenty of plenty of sleep, and I'd recommend that to other people as well. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty. You know, there seems to be. A, you know, obviously your background in film and video, and like as you were discussing things with um, John, the main things that you're well known in the WordPress community seems to be around plugins around video. Um, using video for education. Do you think you're going to continue that kind of, um, or am I wrong, but there seems to be that kind of linkage that it's around WordPress plugins video, if you understand what I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, video is just this really fun, creative, important medium to me. Uh, I just, I'm always just amazed by the way that a film or a video can just evoke emotion and, and, and provoke change. 
and thought. And, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's always going to be important to me moving forward. Also, it's just a lot of fun. Like you can be so creative with it. Um, so for example, when I was working on the Vimeography project, just getting that started, it was so cool to build galleries. And so I would use uh, Vimeo.com. They have a channel, which is just a collection of videos. They have a, a collection called staff picks, right? So their staff would go through and choose their favorite films that are being uploaded to Vimeo, not even films, but documentaries and, and whatnot. Uh, so when I was building the gallery plugin, I would use the staff picks as the uh, source, as the, as the uh, where should this gallery pull videos from? And it automatically updates just constantly. So anytime a new video would be posted to staff picks, it would be thrown in front of me. And while I'm working, you know, I see, oh, there's this new video that's available, let's watch it. And it was such an awesome experience to be able to, to be exposed to all of this creativity uh, while I was actually working on a product at the same time. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, video, video is extremely important to me. Um, so the other interesting half of that question is what about WordPress? And so I just think WordPress, I, I'm not a tech specific guy whatsoever. I think it's it, what it comes down to is uh, what's the right tool for the job? What do you know? What do you know how to use? What do you think is going to be the easiest for your client to use? Uh, and it took a little while for me, I think, to figure that out. But I specifically use WordPress because I think that it is, well, it has the obvious business benefits because of how many people are actually using it. And it's what like a quarter of the web or whatever. So uh, that's hard to ignore. It's always had this really easy learning curve, which I uh, made it easy for me to get involved in it and uh, try to figure out how all this stuff kind of worked. Um, and yeah, I just think that I am taking advantage of the fact that um, it has just been a really natural process. So I think I'm going to continue to build on that moving forward. I've also, you know, I, I have uh, made some attempts at some Ruby on Rails project and some, some uh, Go stuff. And so again, it's not really about the tech for me. It's just what isn't going to enable you to be able to move your project forward. And for right now, that's, that's WordPress for me. So with this React course, are you planning in developing more courses in the WordPress, you know, world of training? Is that also a plan? You know, it's an interesting question. I think I'm going to try to use this first course as kind of a pilot program to see how WordPress specific stuff does. Um, because again, I, I, you know, React can be applied anywhere. It doesn't have to be WordPress. I'm just kind of focusing in what I'm working with right now, which is WordPress. So, and I try to scope that down to some where I think, you know, it, they, there's definitely this void. There's a couple of good articles that I've seen written recently, actually. Uh, but there's this, this void about how does this stuff all play in? You know, we've been doing things for so long a certain way in WordPress. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're not going from A to, you know, C tech. You're going to A to like T or V or something. So it's a completely different paradigm. And uh, there, there's certainly going to be a lot of training that's required in that, in that realm and how it plays into JavaScript. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, We'll see how this one goes. I have some other courses that I've been working on. Uh, that's just a general, like, here's how to use some Redux uh, libraries, and here's how to solve a specific problem just with JavaScript. And those have been a lot of fun for me, too. Um, and I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens. Have you got any tips or insights for people trying to build a, vid, uh, a training course with video? Because 
I love your feedback because I'm in the middle of doing that myself, actually. <laughs> so oh, okay, it's, cool. totally, it's a totally selfish question, but I thought you'd be the guy to ask for um, got any tips or insights about how you should approach it, planning, anything like that? Sure thing. Well, you got two things going for you right now. You're looking good. You got your, your microphone, professional microphone, got a little bit of lighting, nice lighting there. So all of this, the visuals are very important. You know, you, I'm sure you've come across this like crummy YouTube video at some point while you were um, just learning something or stumbling across somebody else's playlist. And you're just kind of like, oh, this is almost unwatchable because I can, I can't really hear what you're saying. And maybe the lighting's off or you don't, you don't see the, the person's face when they're talking, which is huge. Like you want to know that you're participating with somebody one-on-one and it feels like they're talking to you, right? So um, that is definitely a plus. Also keeping your videos shorter rather than longer. There's, there's a lot of statistics on this, so I, I won't go into too much detail, but you know, right around the two minute mark is right where viewership starts going boop, because you don't know uh, what's going to happen at any moment. Like, I have a door over here and maybe my dog figures out a way to knock it down. And so as a, as somebody that would be watching a video, that means I gotta, I gotta cancel this out and fix the door now, or maybe the baby's crying or maybe, you know, the, I forgot the, you know, the, the ramen noodles are boiling over or whatever. So um, yeah, keeping those in kind of these bite-sized chunks rather than doing a 30 minute tutorial on how to, you know, mow the grass or whatever, which hopefully it's shorter than that. But um these little bite-sized pieces are much easier to consume and then pick back up at a later time in case of any sort of a interruption or attention span, short attention span. So would you recommend like if you, if you had a reasonably large subject that, um, that you could break up into chapters, but that chapter you'd be better off having like breaking the videos up into like three to five minute bits um rather than in a 20 minute video per chapter yeah i'm not sure i understand the question well you know you look like you were planning to have like it's 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 part of a series and video one is 20 minutes in length because of the material you're covering but you would be better off breaking that video one into four bits or five minutes each yeah, absolutely. I think breaking it down and then uh, that's part of the plan with the Lunchbox plugin for video moving forward is uh, to be able to set chapter markers as well. So maybe you do have just one long recording, but it's still in a way chunked up if you set chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And that way, once you hit that, it's almost like a milestone in the video. Uh, you have now completed chapter one of that of that 20 minute long video and it's still the same idea or the same method, right? So. Uh, yeah, as long as there's ways that have these provide these natural breakpoints along the way where uh, it's easy to to pick things back up. You know, we're not we're not watching a uh, Stranger Things episode where you want to just sit through all the all the way and, and regardless of what's happening, or you can pause it and just play play it back and you kind of remember what's happening. A lot of times, this stuff is is really in depth, and you really need to in order to retain it, you need to be able to go back and and watch it and say, oh, what did you, what did you say again at 2.12 or whatever? Uh, so, so being able to kind of chunk that into little bits and providing natural points for other people to jump in and pick back up is uh, definitely a good idea. Um, so your course about React, you know, you were hinting that it's like a big jump, um, and that's from you, um, you know, uh, 
a experience. It's not many people that build commercial WordPress plugins. Um, so what do you see some of the key challenges from somebody that's recently experiencing WordPress development moving to React? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's the question. <laughs> there are, there's a lot that's going on that's different. So we're, we're so used to kind of this jQuery world where you slap a script tag somewhere. I mean, who knows where it could be at the, in your footer. It could be output from a, a functions.php file. Like it, it's, there's been no structure uh, to, there, I mean, there's definitely best practices, but there's been no traditional structure to the only way that this is going to work is if you do it this way. Right. Um, so the other part of that is, uh, managing your state or managing how, what's going on in the application. And a lot of the times, if you're using something just like jQuery, uh, you are managing all of the, uh, deciding factors of how your application is presented right within the actual structure of your code. So, so it, in the, in the tree, like in the, in the DOM tree. So a particular element might have a class that says is highlighted or something like that. Uh, but there's no, that's the only place that it actually mentions that, 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 that element or header or something has a blue background, you know? So there's this whole shift. Okay. That's, that's saying now we don't want all of that information to be living inside of a, just a class somewhere that shouldn't be what's deciding uh, the truth of what, what the state of our application is or all this data. Um, and maybe you're hearing a lot about that. If you have been doing any sort of research in JavaScript is this whole, like, this one one source of truth idea where it's abstracted now no longer should that be within your uh, your source code of of the dom tree but it's got to live somewhere else and then all of the elements on your page can listen to that source and or or that store and say whatever that thing's telling me to do i'm just going to show that so no longer do we have just this mess of selectors and um this whole like this very unmaintainable so if we keep all of that in one place rather than where it really shouldn't belong and how we've been doing things for a while, then it'll make things a lot easier. So, and yeah, maybe that was probably a little bit more technical than I wanted to talk there, but there's, there's a huge, hugely different paradigm, uh, big paradigm shift here. And I think uh, that's just going to trip a lot of people up because it's a completely different approach on how we, from where we've been writing JavaScript. Um, and there needs to be the people that, uh, are able to translate from, okay, I already understand how this newer stuff works. Now I need to go back and help other people that need to cross this chasm and uh, make sure that I can still use the language that they're still thinking in, uh, in order to bring them to where I am. So I think it's extremely important for folks, especially that just learn it to share what they know as soon as they learn it, because they still remember the questions that they had formulating in their head while they were learning this stuff. Maybe you still remember the, the even the Google searches that you were sending away. Um, and you can kind of communicate in the same fashion to beginners that are right behind you. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn here and a lot to cover. And that's kind of the objective with this course is to provide all of that for anybody interested. Oh, I thought, I thought you did a fantastic job, Dave. Um, and go to Dave's um website and learn some more about it but i thought that was fantastic um i think we're gonna come in i'm gonna turn it over to john to see if he's got one more question and then we'll probably end the podcast and go on for about 10 minutes with some bonus content over to you john yeah my final question uh for the regular podcast dave is 
to you is what's on the horizon for Dave Kiss in uh, the rest of 2017 and 2018? Any projects that we should be on the lookout for? Sure. Yeah. So I have, yeah, the React course is reactforwp.com. I have the Lunchbox plugin, which if you're looking to do any sort of video course as an entrepreneur, a self-starter or a professional, that's at wplunchbox.com. Vimeography is something that I'm continuing to pursue and uh, do a little bit of refactoring the code there. And then if I didn't have enough to do, I'm also starting a, a local um, organization called Code Cleveland, which is basically all about bringing the smart people together in the Cleveland area as an entry point for, uh, you know, where do we go to talk about this stuff? So we have, especially here in the Cleveland area, we have JavaScript meetup groups and we have Ruby meetup groups and WordPress meetup groups. And they're all kind of these fragmented little bubbles and islands that are doing their own thing. There's no natural entry point for somebody that might just be learning. Like what is, you know, what is a, what is a Slack or what is a code? You know, like they don't even know what JavaScript even means. And so I'd like to provide an entry point that says, okay, here, here you are. You're in the community now. Come hang out, you know, grab a beer or whatever. And uh, now you know somebody, you can start asking some more general questions. And eventually, once you pick up a little bit of skill and a little bit of traction, you can filter down to these individual meetup groups. So, again, community is really big to me. It's something that I've always wanted to pursue a little bit further. Um, and so I'm going to try to structure that here in the Cleveland area. And that's uh, called Code Cleveland. It's codecleveland.org. Sweet. We will definitely have to check that out. It sounds like an excellent idea. Uh, and with that, uh, where can we find you online, Dave? I am probably most active on Twitter, just Dave Kiss. Yep, like the band, D-A-V-E-K-I-S-S. And uh, you can always email me, dave at davekiss.com. Um, and that's my website as well. Sweet. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? It's really easy, folks. You can get me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. You can email me at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. I always try and answer my email, probably not straight away, but if you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, it's much appreciated. And how can people get hold of you, John? Well, they can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. They can follow me on Twitter at lockdown underscore or find my Facebook page. Just go on there and search for Lockdown Design. For the WP Tonic Posse, in effect, we're saying peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.